Although some highly successful physicians appear to have limitless time, it is actually the management of time rather than the absolute amount of time that varies. What does that mean for physicians who want to have it all but aren't necessarily finding enough time to manage it? Well, our next guest shares all his secrets. Hello, hello. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Financial Residency Podcast. You might know who I am, but if you don't, I'm Ryan Inman, your host and owner of Physician Wealth Services, a fee-only financial planning firm that works with physicians all across the country to take control over their finances. Now, this next show is on something I find really interesting and honestly quite elusive, and that's the topic of time. We all want more of it, and if we're not careful, time may pass us by before we even know it. Our careers will someday slow down and come to an end. Our kids are eventually going to grow up and we're going to wonder where the heck all the time has gone. And there are really so many unknowns in between. We've all experienced, you know, shifts in our life in the past several months with COVID-19 basically turning our lives upside down. But we now realize that these shifts can actually happen to even the best of us. And if it hasn't happened to you yet, that's amazing. But you need to protect yourself, your income and your livelihood. Now, I talk about shopping for disability and how it's complicated, and you might be wondering like how to get the best prices and the discounts before you leave training, and that definitely can make the process more overwhelming. This episode is sponsored by Pattern, and they believe that simplifying disability insurance for busy doctors so they can feel confident that they have the right policy and that their income is protected, and getting that coverage while you're still in training could save you thousands over your career. So don't miss out on the training program discounts for residents and fellows. Be confident that you have the right policy at the right price. And you can request your free quote with pattern at financialresidency.com slash pattern. And if you end up going with pattern, let me know. I'd love to know what you thought about the process and the experience. But for now, let's talk a little further with our guest, Dr. Phil Boucher, host of the Private Practice Matters podcast that you can find in any of the podcast apps you're listening to me in right now. Fantastic podcast that Phil has. And he's not only a full-time physician and an amazing podcaster, but he's also a coach for physicians trying to reclaim their time and focus on what matters most. That sounds a lot like life planning, which makes my heart happy. It's not only being addressed, but it's going to help so many of you live out your best life. Phil's a super cool guy. You're going to get to meet him here. He's got great insight on how we can all do a little bit better with the time that we have. So let's jump in and hang out with Phil. Phil, what's up, man? Thank you so much for being on the show. Really excited to have you here. Thank you. Yeah, your show is awesome. I learned so much like that I totally missed during med school residency life. And so I'm excited to be on your show. Yeah, this is going to be great. So back in early May, I was honored to be a guest on your show, Private Practice Matters. And we had a great time nerding out about finance, or I made you nerd out, I should say, about finance. And this show isn't actually going to be completely about finance. I think part of us is the excuse that we have around why we haven't put together a plan is that I don't have enough time. And you have figured out kind of how to master time management. You've built a really successful pediatric practice. I saw you actually quoted in Forbes, which is fantastic for that. So congratulations on on a big mention for your practice and, and what you've built. And 
I think it'd be really interesting to just start off by telling us how are you actually able to be productive with the big practice and a successful podcast and all the other fun stuff that you're working on. Tell us a little bit about how you're productive and then we'll kind of unravel how you're putting these pieces together and how you become efficient. That is a great introduction, first of all. Thank you. And productivity for me is really important because I really like just relaxing in the evenings and spending time with my wife and hanging out and, you know, catching up on Tiger King or other shows that we want to watch. And so I've really tried to structure my life and productivity around leisure and relaxing and getting just to spend time with the people that I love, because I know lots of people that are just kind of like workaholics and I can get so much done and be efficient from dawn till dusk and then into the late evening hours too. And for me, being productive like and being successful being productive means I'm able to fit the things that I want to into the buckets of time that I have and I don't let them spill over. So charting for me, you'll never catch me in my pajamas charting because I always go home with my charts closed for the day. Sometimes it's embarrassing because I'll be pulling up to the stoplight to leave our practice as my last patients are waiting at the stoplight as well. And I try like leave the exam room click my charts closed, and then I'm out in the parking lot that quickly because it's just important for me to maintain that life that I have always wanted as I'm busy in practice as well. We have five young kids. Our oldest is 10, our youngest is one. And so I want to be able to spend time with them, give my wife a break and get to connect with them. So being productive for me really looks like being intentional with my time and saying, these are the things that I need to get done. These are the things that I want to get done. Where are the pockets of time in my day? And so it all starts really with being thoughtful about what's coming up and what I have on my agenda and what I'd like to accomplish. Because you're right, like I have my podcast, Private Practice Matters. I have an online presence as a pediatrician and kind of like the parenting side of things where I interact with parents online and do YouTube videos for parents and whatnot. And then I see patients in the office and I'm a partner in my practice. And so those are plenty of things to keep anyone busy. But I know that there's some things that are going to require more attention and some that require less attention. And so every week I have, and I'll show you here, my little planner that really I just like keep track of everything that's going on for my time in there and knowing what's coming up. If you keep track of what you need to do, then it's much more likely that it's going to happen. Mondays, I'm always better at tackling my planner than Thursdays or Fridays. But because I'm so effective on Mondays and Tuesdays with getting stuff done, I can kind of coast for the rest of the week. I also get up early in the morning because I have five young kids and they're loud starting at like 6.30. So I go to sleep early so that I can get up early and get stuff done in the morning. And that's when I'm recording podcasts or returning emails or recording videos or things like that, that I can do during that time when my time is my own. It's also my time to like exercise for the day. And if I can get those early wins in, like I return a couple of emails, I work on content that I'm writing and I exercise all before the kids wake up and I hop in the shower and make their breakfast and get ready for the day. Then like essentially the rest of the day, I can kind of coast because I got a lot of good stuff done. Even though coast means go to the office and see patients and do all of those things, I've already accomplished a ton. So when I check out for the day and go home, I can truly just check out and feel like, okay, I got a lot done today. I kept up with my charts, recorded a new podcast or a video, or I connected with people on the parenting side or fellow physicians that needed my help. I'm able to do those things and then go home and feel like I accomplished a lot and I accomplished enough. 
And so that's kind of how I look at my day is it's all planned out in advance. If I know I've got a little bit of downtime, I make sure and say, okay, what could I do during that downtime? Sometimes that's just watching an episode of The Office and having a peaceful, quiet lunch at my desk. Sometimes it's hopping on a phone call or recording a podcast or going and making a video or other content or something like that. But I just try and be intentional about my time. And then at the end of the day, I feel like, okay, I got some good stuff done. The rest can wait till tomorrow or the next week. Yeah. So a couple of things I have a feeling that the audience is actually questioning right now is, well, you're doing all these things. You got stuff that is outside of clinical. Like how big is your practice? How many patients are you actually seeing? Because part of the doubt that I can hear in their mind is like, oh, he probably sees three people a day. Like that's why he can do his charts or, or whatever it is. So maybe tell us just a real quick brief around your practice. And then I'm curious, you said that you outline your day and you write it in a planner. And I know that those listening can't actually see a planner, but maybe as a follow-up, just kind of tell me like how you actually start to outline this week by week or day by day. Right. So as far as my practice goes, I'm a general pediatrician in private practice in Lincoln, Nebraska. And so here we actually see our own patients in the hospital. So we round on newborns in the morning and then I'm in clinic most mornings and afternoons seeing patients. And I actually see four or five patients per hour typically. So I do stay busy. Now, I will tell you that the ultimate time management tool is a scribe. And I have a scribe. So that helps me immensely. Just like I don't change my own oil or dry clean my own clothes. I have a scribe who can do things that I don't have the interest or desire to do. And that is not only time positive in terms of the return on the investment, but it's financially positive for me too, to have a scribe because it allows me to see more patients than I would be able to see on my own. And it keeps me from getting burnt out and saying, I want to cut back my hours because I'm so burnt out from seeing patients and charting until 11 p.m. every night. So I have a scribe that helps me with that so that I can focus truly on what only I can do, which is see patients, make their diagnoses, you know, make their treatment plans, do procedures when I have the occasional pediatrics procedure to do, and then go home and do what only I can do, which is spend time with my kids, connect with my spouse, do those sorts of things. And then my online presence, the things that only I can do, which is be in front of the camera or be in front of the microphone. Those are things that only I can do. And the rest of it, I can get help with. So I kind of structure my priorities based on what are things that I, as a physician, as a father, things that only I can do. And then can somebody else help me with those other things? I think that was great. Yeah. And as we were offline and chatting before, you said, hey, I've allotted this time to this time. I've got to get off at this time. Right. Because you've got your time constraint. I know that I have to, I'm obviously going to try to respect that as much as I can because this is obviously what we're chatting on. So when you create that planner, how are you actually doing that? Are you writing it physically down? Like I, I didn't see it, but and those listening can't see. We're not video recording this, even though we probably should. What do you do? How do you write those things down? And yeah, I'm curious how you tackle that. I will tell you, I've had every iteration of planner and to-do list and time management tool and app and everything possible. I've tried them all. So if you ever want a review of any like task management software or things, I can tell you what's good and bad about them. And what I have reverted back to and continue to go back to is simply a blank page journal that I can take with me either in my bag or leave in the car or leave at my office. And I use sticky notes and it sounds so simple compared to like the, all the different things that you can use Siri for or other tools for, but having sticky notes allows me to write something down and then put it like a Monday. So I have like a Monday spot where I can say, this is what I need to accomplish on Monday 
Monday. This is what I need to accomplish on Tuesday. And then I can easily move those sticky notes so I'm not crossing stuff off continuously. I can just move things. And if I don't get to something, I can just move it to a different time block. And I know that Tuesday mornings, I have some extra time typically. I know that Thursday afternoons, I typically have a little bit extra time. So I can take that little sticky note and move it to that spot and say, that's what I'm going to do. And then instead of like, okay, I've got 20 minutes here, what should I do? I've already got what I'm supposed to be doing. So then I only have to do it rather than try and remember what to do or prioritize. Those priorities have already been made and then I can just execute on what I need to get done. So you, you mentioned that you have certain times that you've pre-blocked it out. Are those times that you've thought ahead or is it the same time every week on Tuesday mornings or Thursday afternoons or whatever that day was? Talk me through a little bit about that because that's a unique thing. I actually do that when I need to for sure make sure that I'm working on client plans or something like that because I can't just be in call after call after call and then I'd have no time to actually complete work. So we block time in that. But how do you do that? Right. So I know my schedule and I watch my work schedule like a hawk. And so I know when my appointments are and I know when my downtime is. And I've I've studied over time, like the times that my patients usually need me versus the times where they don't often schedule appointments at 1 p.m. on Wednesday. And so I take that time back and I say, I'm going to keep that time. I'm going to allow that to be a time where I record a podcast episode or return some important emails or something like that. Because I know my patients don't really need me. They can come and see me at 2 or 2.30. But if I can have that extra time block, then I'll get some important things done. And so that's really, I kind of just look in advance a lot to know what my schedule is looking like and block out times where if there's nobody at 1 o'clock, but there's some at 1.30, well, maybe I'll make my lunch extra long and then plan something for that lunchtime. Or if I start late or a patient typically runs late, then I'm like, okay, I can take those extra 15 minutes for myself to get something important accomplished. If I just happen upon that time, then I'm going to squander it reading the news or messing around on social media or something like that. But if I know it's coming, then I can say, okay, during that time, I have 10 minutes to make that phone call that I needed to make or write that content or return somebody's message or whatever it might be, rather than just allowing to happen upon that time and then squander it. I think that's really, really a fascinating point to make because a lot of us, they think that, oh, I've got 10 minutes here and immediately the phone gets popped out, right? And we're doing something, whether maybe it's an email that's productive, but highly unlikely because it's Instagram or Facebook or (laughs) I don't know, like all these physicians on TikTok now. I don't know which social media platform you guys are all going to necessarily, but that's usually where that 10 minutes evaporates. And you do that three, four, five times a day, all of a sudden, you know, potentially maybe that was an hour, which is at little 10 minute bursts, whereas you're actually having plans. I like the sticky notes concept. So I use Asana mm-hmm. for a lot of the production piece of financial residency because I have an editor and a graphics person that helps me. So I can, again, be on the mic and creating content right now. I mean, we're creating lots of content and I need some team to help me, but I have to manage that team. And so we use Asana, which is a software, but it has this like board feature, which acts like sticky notes. I can say, I'm recording this. Yep. This is an editing. This has been scheduled. I've actually created this time to talk with Phil on time management, right? Everything is planned out there. So I know that if I have some downtime, like, oh, I need to go and actually write the description for the show or whatever it may be, or with client focused work, you know, we're blocking off certain times. So a lot of the stuff um, that you're saying is, is really helpful. I know that it took me a long time to figure out how to manage multiple business segments with multiple team members. I mean, across the board, we have like between the two entities, like 10 team members now. Right. So there's a lot of, of management. I'm curious because I've heard this as, I wouldn't say an excuse, but I've heard this as something that's like, well, 
how do I keep the flow going in my schedule without keeping patients waiting? Yes. But also like staggering appointments. Like how does that work with you? The staggering of appointments without keeping people waiting, but still being highly efficient. So the challenge when I came to my practice, which I have a fantastic group that I joined, was they did appointments every 15 minutes, which is a very standard approach to appointment scheduling. They would do a routine, like a well baby check, and then a sick visit, and then a routine and a well baby, and they just are routine sick, routine sick all day long, every 15 minutes. The problem with that is patients don't show up on time. And even myself guilty of if I have a nine o'clock appointment, I walk in the door at nine o'clock or nine oh one. I don't show up early so that my doctor can come into the room, shake my hand, not during COVID, but just in normal times of year, shake my hand and start the visit at nine o'clock. And so patients show up when their appointment is. And so everyone's always running behind. And then when one patient's late, it pushes everybody down the road by that many minutes because you can't go into the room until they've been checked in and their vitals have been taken. And there are, you know, all the different things that the your staff do before you go into the room and you stack up on appointments and everybody waits then. And so I did a lot of research, talked with a lot of people that have optimized their schedule, actually found a lot of literature about what is called a modified wave schedule. And essentially patients come in waves. So the way it works for me, and I talk about this um, in some of the online things that I do, is a wave schedule. So take a typical hour for me. At nine o'clock, I have two appointment spots, both for nine o'clock on the dot. One is a well visit and one is a sick visit. In an ideal world, what happens is the sick visit and the well visit show up at the same time. They both go back to the room. My nurse goes in with the sick visit and gets them ready, does their vitals, because that's usually quick. It just takes a couple of minutes to get the history, do the vitals, et cetera. And then I go in and see the sick visit while she is getting the well check ready, which takes a little bit more time because they have to, you know, do weight and height and blood pressure and check their eyes and their ears and all those different things that they have to do. And so while I'm busy seeing the sick visit, she's getting the well visit ready. And so then at about 9:10, I've come out from the first room seeing the sick visit and I'm ready to see the second visit, the well visit. And it's not even 9:15 and I'm already on my second patient for the day. And then at 9.15, I have another sick. And at 9.30, I have another sick and another well. So instead of just four appointment spots per hour where there's a lot of waiting and a lot of sitting, I found that I was just like sitting at my computer, messing around like you were saying, waiting for patients to be ready. Instead, they're always ready for me, but they're not waiting for a long time because even though they show up at nine o'clock, one of them's getting checked in first and the second one is just waiting a couple minutes for my nurse to be ready. And then they're going through all the, the checking in. What that allows for is it allows for one patient to show up late. It allows for me to spend extra time with the patient because the front half of my hour is busy with patients getting checked in. The back half of my hour is busy with just finishing up on all those visits. And then I do that over and over in the course of the day, and it adds up to a lot more patients seeing a lot less waiting time on my end. And the patients actually wait a lot less too, because I'm able to move from room to room. I'm there, the patients aren't stacking up the way they do. If, if somebody has a nine o'clock appointment and they show up at 914 and then everybody is pushed 15 minutes later, all of a sudden, because of that first patient, there's just a little bit of a redundancy built into the system so that we can keep moving even when patients are late. I think that's fascinating. And then the scribe is obviously coming with you the whole time. So you're not having to chart as much like in your review, which is fantastic. 
Oh, it's amazing. It allows me to just, you know, patients, I mean, I'm a pediatrician, so kids fall down and they break their arm or they need stitches or something like that. And it's so much easier for me having a scribe and having the schedule to my nurse comes back and they says, Hey, so-and-so, you know, has a gash on their forehead. Can you see them? Sure. Send them over. We'll work them in. It's so much easier to work them in because of this scheduling that accommodates that sort of thing. Yeah. And I'll be the first one to admit, I love the idea of, of the scribe so much that in our practice where traditionally financial planners do not have something like that, we have actually instituted that because we work with clients all across the country and we work on Zoom just like how we're talking now. So we could see each other and we record the call and then we have a team member that goes in and writes down everything. So I can actually stare at you, not you looking at the top of my balding head at this point at, while I'm writing notes, right? I can actually develop the relationship, talk with you, give you my absolute full attention. Totally. And then I know that the notes that it's being recorded, the notes are being taken. And then I can go through at a later time and say, yep, this is what we talked about. This is crystal clear. Here's what I need to do. Here's what team needs to do. Here's what clients need to do. And then the tasks kind of get filtered out across our client service associates are making sure it's all done. And it goes out and we're highly efficient. We could see a lot more clientele than we can in a traditional practice. So I, I love the scribe. I literally stole it from the medical community. And <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's fascinating. It's a fantastic thing to do with that. As you said, what it allows you to do is look at the patient too. And instead of trying to remember things or 11 PM trying to remember, okay, how many days of fever did they have? Or did I send this order in? The patient calls things out in the history and I just call things out in the exam and my scribe just picks up on them. He puts them in. I say, we're going to make a referral to so-and-so and he's sending that order straight away to our nurses so that they can do that. There's nothing for me to remember after I leave the room. It's like, okay, that visit is done. That encounter is over moving on to the next patient and it makes it so much more efficient for the whole day and it makes it so much easier to just make sure and know that things are getting accomplished the way that they're supposed to. I know some of you might be thinking like, well, what software do you use to have internal messages or what is the scribe actually typing? What time at EMR? Like what were you at with that? What do you guys use in terms of software? Because to leverage technology, which is what you do, mm -hmm. you probably don't just have the traditional tech stack, if you will, as a Maybe an old school pediatrician. So a few things like he's in the EMR. He's actually charting right in the note that then I will sign off on. So he's able to put in prescriptions or put in an x-ray or whatever it is right in real time. And if he's not sure on the dose, like I've kind of gone through because it saves me a lot of time from calculating all these pediatric doses. Like we have how much a five kilogram baby or a 15 kilogram toddler, how much they should get for their dose of amoxicillin for an ear infection or something like that. That's all pre-done so he can just go through and say, oh, this kid is 15 kilograms. This is his dose. Send it to the pharmacy. So all of that is within the EMR. And then we have a system called Telegram that we use for intra-office text messaging, basically. It's really more like instant messaging. If you remember AOL, where AIM back in the day, the little box popped up in the right-hand corner of the screen where your messages from your friends showed up. We have that in the office so that we're able to communicate back and forth really easily. If my nurse is somewhere else, I can type her a note that says, you know, room 29 is ready for their vaccines, or they can message me and say, doctor so-and-so from the ER is calling on line one. Then we're able to communicate in a more efficient way than knocking on doors, running around, searching for people, all those sorts of things. And it makes for just a much more efficient day. And it was because my nurse, when I first started, is very quick and efficient like I am, but she's all over the place too. And I could never keep track of her. And I was writing like, 
notes of on pieces of paper and dropping them on her chair so she would find them and just found that so inefficient <laughs> that this way it just it speeds up our day and it allows us to communicate just as everyone likes to communicate now which is in short little messages that you can pick up when you're ready for them. yeah i love it and thank you for the aol reference for dating yourself <laughs> and making me feel good because i was right there i'm like yeah i totally get in some people are like aol what was your username ryan i'm not going there i was oh, like come to, on. i was like to no way man all right. And I actually, so it was you that I saw the dose of your, your business card. Like you had doses, right? Yes. That was you, right? Yep. So um, like uh, just another example, something that makes it easy is like, instead of having to write out their doses, my business card on the back of it, I can hand it to the patient. Like it has choices for their dose of uh, Tylenol and ibuprofen, you know, the bread and butter of toddler medicines. And so I just circle that as I'm giving them the card, they keep it because it's useful information, but then if they want to pass it along to somebody, it's easy for them to do so. And it, it sticks out in their mind as they, they hang on to this card. They don't throw it in the trash on the way out. I thought it was brilliant. It's just such a great marketing tool. People are going to find it helpful and then it gets passed along and hey, look, it's actually, it's not like a magnet you're throwing on your fridge <laughs> right? because it doesn't get thrown on your fridge. So I, I thought that was a fascinating. I thought it was you and I, I want to double check here. The last question I have for you is how do you handle interruptions, right? Because I remember when I was working in traditional firms, the water cooler, whatever you want to call it, is people stop by, they just want to hang out with you, they stop at your desk. Maybe your MA walks in and is like, hey, I just want to hang out with you, Phil, for 20 minutes. And you're like, I've got a whole bunch of sticky notes, right? How do you handle interruptions in your schedule? Because I assume with a really organized schedule, that either you're going to get really frustrated and it's going to throw your whole schedule off or you've got some trick for us. Right. So for me, interruptions happen all the time because we're in a busy practice. And what I use as a way to limit interruptions is I try and get people to ask me in a way that helps me to quickly get through their question or concern. So instead of a so-and-so called in, this is the problem. What should we do? It's a so-and-so called in, this is what you typically do. Is this okay? Yes or no. And then I can just type yes or no to reply to them rather than having to stop what I'm doing, get back into the chart, figure out what's going on. It allows me to work through the interruptions more quickly. And then physical interruptions to me, I try and block out my time so that I'm available at 1130 for any questions or concerns that you have. But before that, unless it's an emergency, I really need this time to focus on patient care. I need to, this time to focus on podcast recording or whatever it is, but I promise you at 1130, I'm going to be right there for you. That's actually really cool. I like that where you can communicate. I think it comes back to effective communication with the team. That's what being a great leader would be, you know, saying, Hey troops, this is what we've got going on. This is when I am going to give you my full attention. I love that. That's fantastic. So as we end out here, I know that Taylor and I have taken your course. We've actually loved what you were putting together with time management. So tell us a little bit that the course is called Time Management for Overbusy Physicians. You guys can check it out by going to financialresidency.com slash time, T-I-M-E. But tell us a little bit about the course and then your obviously killer podcast and where, where everyone can kind of follow along with you. Yeah, thanks. So I'm glad that you guys took the course because like you said, it's time management for over busy physicians. It's an online course just for physicians on how to manage time. And we kind of talk through in a logical order, all of the different time management opportunities and lack of loss opportunities that physicians have. So in the exam room, between patients, in your chart, how to delegate and manage your staff in an effective way, how to round in a, a time effective way, and then how to manage your time at home so that you're doing what only you can do, which is be present for your family, for your spouse, for your hobbies and interests. 
the course, like you said, you have the link in your show notes and whatnot, but it's a way for physicians to take strategies that I have honed and practiced over the past years of my practice. I mean, learn from other experts and put it into a way that works for physicians and takes into account all the specifics that physicians have that really, if you're reading a bunch of time management books, a lot of the stuff is like, well, that would be nice if I didn't have this, this, and this responsibilities and you didn't take call. Like a lot of those things, it takes a special way to translate that into what actually works for physicians. Yeah, it's one of those that's going to be highly specific and relevant for physicians. And while I wasn't your actual core audience, I know Taylor was, and she's picked up some tips and tricks. I picked up a few things that have allowed me to effectively communicate a little bit better. So I, I appreciate it. The link was financialresidency.com slash time. And like I mentioned earlier in the show, I was honored to be a guest on your show, Private Practice Matters. And we recorded that back in early May. So I encourage all of you to check it out. He's got a fantastic podcast. And Thank you so much for being on. I appreciate your time. Thanks a lot, Ryan. It was great to chat with you and keep up the good work, man. Well, I loved talking with Phil and now transitioning. We're going to be adding a bunch more segments, by the way, coming up here. But our quick community update, and we're so close to revealing our new website. I can literally taste it. If you've missed the update, we're in the process of redesigning the entire financialresidency.com site because right now it looks terrible. I launched it back in the day when I first started podcasting. And at that time, I thought it was amazing, but I really didn't know any better. And now that I've been doing this for quite some time, I realize that there is a better way to get the most important financial topics to you in a way that you don't have to go digging for it. And I really can't wait for you to see it. And I'll just tell you, that I'm actually going to stick to the name financial residency and how we're going to create content. It's going to be fantastic. Also, another super cool update that's coming down the pipeline. I won't go into details here, but I'll give you a hint. It's got bound pages, a super cool cover, and it's just itching to be read by you. All right. It's a book. Duh, right? Yeah, I got another book coming out in August, I believe, and this time it is absolutely everything you need to know about buying your first home. What's going on when you get a real estate agent, how to pick a home, how much home can you afford? Why is the mortgage person asking you all these questions and having you supply all these documents? It's going to be fantastic. This book is going to help you buy your home the right way. You asked for it, we're writing it. You're going to learn a ton. And again, I can't wait. So more details are coming soon. Now, before we end, it's time for that important disclaimer. Please don't turn off the podcast just yet because I'm super pumped you're here deciding to take control over your finances and to listen to me yap about them, right? It's my passion. I'm definitely nerdy about it. But the information is for you and I'm happy to be the messenger. And I'm honored that you're here, but I can't give you any specific advice on your financial situation through the show. So please consult an attorney, a CPA, or reach out to us, fee-only financial planners at physicianwealthservices.com before you go and make any big money decision because that's just the smart thing to do. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week and I will see you with Casey on our next financial health assessment on Friday. Cheers. Cheers.